This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Momwell Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome Mel and Joe Hashi to the show. Mel and Joe are the founders of Strong Family Co. Mel is a social worker turned stay-at-home mom, and Joe, her husband, is a teacher turned entrepreneur. They've been married for 16 years, are raising three boys together, and I've invited them on the show to help us discuss how to establish family values in our home. We talk about personal values a lot around here and had Dr. Cassidy Freitas on episode 106 to help us determine how we uncover those individual values. But Mel and Joe join us today to help us understand how we carve out family values. They use examples from their own life on how they discovered their values, how they teach them and instill them in their boys, and how they instill these values and motivate their boys to practice them in the home. Family values are the guiding principles that inform how you and your family make decisions for your life. They help to give you a criteria by which you prioritize and make decisions, and they also help you to guard against comparison. In this interview, Mel and Joe walk us through how to begin uncovering what these family values are and how to practically apply them in our home. Let's hear my conversation with Mel and Joe Hashi. Many of us didn't grow up with parents who apologized. Our parents' tough love generation often didn't feel the need to explain themselves to children, but now we know better. We understand that our relationships with children matter and that mutual respect, love, and care can help us build those relationships. One of the best ways to foster that respect is through repair. When you apologize to your child for losing your cool and commit to doing things differently, you're not showing weakness, you're showing strength. You can break the generational cycles of parenting and model for your children how to do better, even after the moments you aren't proud of. Dr. Ashari Nareem, Psyched Mummy, and I offer a free masterclass to teach you our three-step method for repairing with your child after you lose your cool. We cover how to measure a secure bond with your child, understanding the power of repair, practical ways to repair with your child, and more. I know you're here because you want change. You want to end that generational cycle. Give yourself the tools you need to parent more freely. Register for the free masterclass at momwell.com slash masterclass. That's momwell.com slash masterclass. Welcome to the Momwell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of Momwell, Erica Jossa. At Momwell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. 
Joe and Mel, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. This is a conversation that I am pumped about. And the fact that you're both here collaboratively to have it, and it doesn't feel just like a one-sided conversation. How do we set values for a family, you know, just with one individual and we're collaboratively doing it here together and having this conversation. I'm really excited about it. So thank you both for joining us. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you. I don't know who wants to take the lead on the storytelling, but tell me about how your life transformed into now having this online platform because you were both in your own careers. This was not sort of your focus at all initially. We kind of go through the stages of school and life and, you know, but you found your way in this platform. So tell me how this has evolved for you both. Yeah, it's been a series of evolutions for us and our family. <laughs> Originally, uh, we had classic careers. I was a high school U.S. history and economics teacher, coached kids sports. Mel was uh, as her master's in social work and was working in that field for victims of traumatic experiences. And we started our family and we bought a little duplex. We rented out the other half to help cover our mortgage to be more financially secure. And we started going through the process. And then I started a little passion project in our garage, which was like a fitness studio because I had lost my father very young. He was very unhealthy and I wanted to help people live longer and healthier lives. And that ended up taking off. And then we had more and more and more studios opening and a bigger staff. And I had to choose one or the other. I was teaching high school all day and then running the business all evening. And then Mm. once we had our second son, Mel came on board to do the HR and book work and and finances and help the company run. And uh, so we had to choose one or the other. We chose the business route because we saw that as a, a better vision for where we wanted to go in our lives. But it wasn't perfect because I was a little bit too much working on that organization and not the most important organization in my life, which is the family. And we came to that realization and decided to change some things. And then we got a little extra pressure when uh, 2020 happened and things changed for everyone. Right. For us, it was we had the series of rentals and there was a, a rent moratorium in our state. So all the rent stopped coming in and we had a lot of mortgages and our business was closed and we still had staff. Our kids were home and Mel opted to homeschool them for a year because our older one wasn't going to be great digital learner. Mm-hmm. Our younger one would have done fine, but just for our older one's learning style, it wouldn't have been a big fit. So we had all these massive changes and we just had to decide to control what we could control, which was look back at our family values, decide what we want to do in life. And our big decision was we were going to just choose somewhere we want to live that aligns a little bit tighter with our family values and then move across the country. And we moved to Colorado where we know no one. We live on a little cabin on the side of a mountain. We we made relationships here, but we knew no one coming here originally. And that gave us the space and capacity to really focus on our family and our young children. Wow. And uh, Mel, I'll let you fill in any other blanks because that's where sure. we are now. Yeah, of course. So once we moved and really having our core values, which I know we're going to dive into, that helped us make this decision to move. I don't think we ever would have done it otherwise. Mm. And since moving, we've really dove into focusing on family. And there's things that we do, routines that we have, and people would comment and say, some of the stuff you do is really great for other families to try out. Maybe you should consider podcasting. And I thought, I mean, I've never been in front of a camera. Joe certainly has through work. But this was a big leap for us to step in together and be able to share this message and hopefully touch other families. So that's kind of how we are here now. Um, It was something that we considered for a while. I had to get over my self-consciousness about it and we just got it started and 
Um, we just want to share the strong family path with other people. And the values really are the foundation of all of that. It's a really interesting story. And I feel like there's so many layers to it because we talk a lot here about the invisible load and the mental load, that care work and household work that gets defaulted to mom just based on gender assumptions and how things get divided in the home and often gender assumptions leading fathers to really lean into work and providing because that's sort of the role they're socialized to be in. So Joe, as you're telling your story about how, you know, this real competition of work and home life, and I feel like that's such a relatable struggle for so many fathers who are trying to find their place in, I guess we can call it modern fatherhood, right? Where the traditional roles in the home are kind of breaking down at this point and we're choosing to parent in a different way that suits our own little family units versus sort of upholding these traditional standards, right? Yeah. So I'm curious how you resolved that. If I can just lean into that for a second before we dive into values. Absolutely. So it was a perspective shift on that. We didn't want to think of it like work and life are on different ends of a spectrum pulling at each other. We wanted to find value in the work that would provide value to our home. And for a lot of people, it's economic value. You go to work, you get some money, it helps provide for your home. We also want to lean into what can we learn at the workplace that then apply it to our home. Because we're spending all this effort, like reading all the books about business and communication skills and HR and marketing and message telling. And like, well, what if we took some of this, these best practices, and then used it to enrich our family life, like establishing core values and having family meetings, like we have business meetings. Like we put so much effort into this. Why can't we take that knowledge and effort and then layer it into our family life in a, a way that would purposefully impact our kids and our family? So just kind of taking that mindset of work doesn't detract from life. It should enhance life. And if it does detract, then there are some things that you can do to hopefully make sure it enhances your life overall. Mm. It's almost like your home is the biggest organization sort of to thrive and grow in, right? Like taking that mindset of work and growth and promotion or whatever and applying some of those skills and language to the home, seeing that this is the most valuable place that you'll do that. And I had Dr. Dan Singley on a few episodes ago, and he runs all the men's programs through Postpartum Support International. And he was talking about how it can be really difficult for men to do this because they often associate care work and household roles with sort of a step down or a decrease in power because they're not valued and they're not sort of seen as coming with this sort of prestige and power as maybe other things in life might. And so it can be really difficult if we adhere to like a unhealthy view of masculinity to really lean into that. So I just find this whole area so fascinating because I live in the mind of a modern mother and wrestling the invisible load that comes with that and unlearning the gender norms, but how fathers reconcile that for themselves to find like a really secure footing in their family and in their home is really interesting to me. Oh, just to break it down on just a couple sentences. For me, a big piece of masculinity is just being comfortable with the value you provide. And that could be household value. It could be workplace value. There's not a, a like a, this value is better than this. Like the competition just doesn't exist. Mm. Mel and I know that our relationship is the most important part of our organization. We tell our kids, like, we don't exist to serve you. You are created from our love and our family. And so that we take care of our relationship as well. And that takes down the value of just being comfortable with who you are and your family's decisions, whether it's a traditional household and not traditional household with single family household, 
just being comfortable in your own skin, knowing that you're doing the best you can and carrying all that extra baggage with you prevents you from doing the best you can, as, as you know, from your experiences. Mm-hmm. And if I could just add something, of course. this has evolved over time for us because we've had to communicate about what each of us are going to contribute. So like Joe mentioned earlier, he used to be gone 12 hours a day. So the kind of automatically that caregiving is going to fall on me. And we chose that and that was okay. But it did take some time for me to be okay with that as well. I would see couples walking with their babies after work and we never had that because he was gone until basically after the kids were already asleep. Right. And then we have three sons. So they're ages 5, 11, and 13. And that system worked for us for a while. But as the kids got older, you know, one of my strengths is I kind of realize when our kids need extra support emotionally or relationally. And I would say to Joe, you know, they're going to start needing you a lot more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the five-year-old still relies on me because it's mostly, you know, he comes to mom. We have like a joke where whenever he's hurt, he immediately runs to me. And Joe's like, what about me? Mm-hmm. I'm here too. But yeah, that's... He runs right by me. Right. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's pretty natural still. But the older ones certainly need their father in ways that I can't provide as strongly as they get older. So I think that realization also helped with us making this shift to move and refocus on family because as they become teenagers, they will need him much more. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting story. It kind of parallels my early postpartum years. I have three boys as well. They're ages four, six, and eight right now wild ninja camp we're running over here. And my husband was downtown in the city, downtown Toronto, 12-hour days when I was home with three very little children. And there was a couple of things that played into this. The sheer just economics of protecting his income over mine at the time and providing for the family when I'm taking leaves that fortunately in Canada are protected and paid to a percentage, but still a major decrease in my usual income. And so we kind of fell into these norms because we thought that this is what we should do, but also we're providing for our family and this is how the system is set up around us. There's a lot of different reasons why we fell into that, but we went on a similar journey, it sounds like, to the two of you where when we realized it wasn't really working for us, it wasn't serving the way that we maybe envisioned living our life broadly or uh, having our family and, and the freedom or the flexibility or whatever our values are. We really consciously had a lot of conversations to make changes in the direction that we were heading in. So for those who are listening who might not be familiar with the concept of family values, Mel, why don't you break it down for us? Like, what are we even talking about here? Sure. Uh, Family values is really the foundation of everything that we do. It serves as a filter for our decision making as a family, and it creates our family culture. Hmm. So Joe had mentioned earlier, we try to take some practices from business. We notice businesses have core values and sometimes the business truly makes decisions based on them. And sometimes they just kind of hang on a wall and it's, they're just kind of nice to see. We checked that box. But for our family, we really wanted to define what our family is about. Mm. So when our kids were young, so I think Everett hadn't been born yet, but our older two, They were maybe five and three, and we had kind of made this realization, why don't we give it a shot? Why don't we sit down and try to figure out, you know, five to seven core values for our family? And at this time, we really didn't know how powerful that was going to end up being for us. But the process that we went through, we basically separately for a couple of weeks would write down every single thing that was valuable to us. It could be something small or it could be something kind of major, but things like, is reading important to our family? 
is playfulness important, being adventurous, having gratitude, just anything that would occur to us as important, we'd write it down. Mm. And then we made a little meeting together where we would go through the lists and we would do a practice called Remind me what it is. Kill, keeper, combine. Kill, keeper, combine. Mm. So if there was something on there that we we liked, but it wasn't super important, we would kill it. We would cross it off. Other things, if we had something similar on both of our lists, we would combine them. So gratitude and thankfulness are basically the same thing. We'd combine it. And then other things that were like majorly important, we weren't willing to let go of, we would keep for sure. And we just kept having these deep conversations until we would whittle it down to five or seven. And we recommend that number because we want to be like, what's memorable is portable. So we want to be able to remember them. Once you start hitting like nine, 10, 11, you're just not going to remember them. Mm. There's just too many. Mm -hmm. And we came up with our core values and we tried them on for size. I'm a big fan of visuals and of laminating everything. So we wanted to present them to our kids in a family meeting. And our kids were still young, but they were old enough to understand the concept. Mm. And I had them typed out on little cards that almost looked like bookmarks so they could put them in a book they were looking at or whatever. And we still have them posted, but we would start discussing them. And as soon as we start discussing them, every week the kids would start to make choices that would align with the values or we could have communication about it. So one of ours is being accountable, for example. Mm. So when kids are having an argument, we speak to them in the language of our values. Okay, I'd like you to show me how you can be accountable in this situation. Mm -hmm. So the, the values just set this foundation for how you run your family, what you're about, how to communicate, and choice making. So when your kids go out into the world, they're going to embody values. And if you don't set them at home, they might end up embodying values of their friends or of their teammates. And some of them might be great and some of them might be detrimental. Mm -hmm. So we believe that we want to live more intentionally as parents. And if we set our values specifically, I think every family wants to be a good family, even a great family, mm -hmm. but you have to really define what is good, what is great. And that's really the foundation of why we did this. We wanted to make sure we defined it for our kids and helped them to see that you can have values and know what to live for and know how to make decisions based on them. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. 
The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It reminds me of an exercise I used to do with couples when I did couples work sort of years ago, a value sort where there's like a hundred values words on paper, right? Because I think a lot of people don't even know the language or like what to pull on. We know like, oh, my family is important and maybe we value God and faith and maybe we value whatever, you know, like sort of things that we've been told we should value potentially. Mm -hmm. But when we get a value sort out and we cut up the cards and we kind of just are staring at these hundred values and together, maybe we're going to go through the process of talking them through and eliminating them. That can also be a really fun, tangible exercise as well, because I live in this space. And this is one thing like I'm, I'm a therapist and my partner is not. And so this, (laughs) these are words that maybe come more naturally to me where he may not have spent time in this headspace before really reflecting on this. So it's a nice sort of conversation starter if people are struggling to get the words flowing potentially. Yeah, that's great. I love that exercise. Sometimes people get overwhelmed by hearing, how do I come up with them? Mm -hmm. So to give them a starting point, and it does allow for really interesting conversations where the couple might not even have realized what they truly are about until they open this door. Mm -hmm. We oftentimes talk about, you know, when you become a mom or a dad, you don't really get educated on how to be a parent besides whatever you were given as a child. So we want to try to introduce more strategy in family life. We don't want to just kind of let it happen and hope that everything's okay and hope that our kids gain some good values from us. We want to be more strategic about it. Mm -hmm. One of the things I find when first getting introduced to values is people confuse it with religious beliefs or things that our family taught us that we should value sort of growing up. And I'm curious if there's a distinction there for people, because these are not necessarily tied to any religious or even cultural. They're just the principles that you find important for your family, right? Do either of you have thoughts on that? Absolutely. It's something that we had to work on early on because we had like values passed on generation to generation. They might be great. They might not be. Yeah. Same with absorbing religious values. We met in Catholic school and some of our values reflect things that you could find in various religions Mm -hmm. across the board, but they are values that we hold important. Like showing gratitude is one, like you could probably associate that with a religion if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. But we really just sat down and said, what's important to us? Where do we want to take our family and had to do some thought. Mel's very good at this, where she's like, why do I believe this? And she'll question her beliefs. And it's usually something that she was taught or passed on and and then deciding if it serves her and deciding if we should continue believing that thing. But there's a, a Brene Brown saying that clarity is kind and getting really good clarity on exactly what you stand for is critical. I do a lot of business consulting and we'll hear a business owner say like, oh, this employee is not doing a good job. And I'll say, well, what aren't they doing? And they're like, well, they're just, you know, not as good as I am. Okay, well, what's the thing? Like, what's the thing that you want to improve? 
did you teach it? Were you clear in, in what you said they want? Well, this person it doesn't show up on time like I do. Is that a value of your business? Yes or no? And then it usually turns out it's not. They weren't clear and they have to go back and realign their values and get clear with the person. And all of a sudden, greatest employee ever. Uh, <laughs> well, it was the strategy, not the person. And so getting really clear is very important. In my history of being a social worker for five years and working with families, it's so important to be able to reflect back on what you were given as a child. Because sometimes, like Joe mentioned, it might serve you well, and sometimes it might not serve you well. Mm-hmm. So here's a kind of a silly example. There's this woman who would cut her ham in half and put it in the oven for Easter every year. And her kid said to her one day, why do you do that? And she said, well, that's what my mom and grandma always did. Mm-hmm. So she just repeated the behavior because it's what was always done and expected. So she finally went to her mom and asked, why did you do this? And the mom simply said, oh, my mother's oven wasn't big enough to fit in a whole ham in it. So we had to cut it in half. Hmm. So there was like, there was no basis for her to continue that going, mm-hmm. maybe nostalgia, but besides that. So I, I like that example because it shows how it's important to look back and reflect and say, well, this is what I was told. And maybe that thing is fine. But does that fit as a core value of our unique family? You know, when we met, we started a unique situation we didn't just have to take and combine everything from our histories. We can make something new and really unique. Mm-hmm. So one of our values is being adventurous. That's a big piece of who we are as a family. We love to go outside. We love nature. We love to hike. Um, we love to be physically fit. And those kind of things are important for us. Maybe that wasn't so much when I was growing up. And I think if you can reflect back and ask yourself, it's okay to say, no to something that you grew up with in order to say yes to something you're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that without having these intentional conversations as partners or even reflecting on them individually, we end up living out the models that we grew up with, right? Like, so we have this model of motherhood for better or for worse, that this is what we know, or this is what we've seen in media or wherever else. And we either want to adopt it or we want to be the opposite of it. But in some way, it's our model and our roadmap. And without really intentionally reflecting on and carving out what our goals are and what our values are as a family, I feel like it leaves just old patterns to play out, one. And two, to your point, Joe, of what you were explaining, I feel like it leaves the roles and responsibilities in the home unclear. So, for example, one of the values in our home is to challenge these gender norms that we are not going to make the assumption that the things to do with the household are one person's responsibility. This is a family. We all contribute to it and we all keep house because we all, you know, live in the house and we all dirty the house and mess the house. And so this is something that we've instilled. So in vocalizing that value, they know what the responsibility is for them and, and what parts they own as a result of having these clear, whether we call it expectations, I feel like the expectations sort of start to come out of the values, like the value is set. And then, you know, we build on it from there. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you use the word contribution because everybody in the family contributes to what's going on. They can contribute in a positive way or they can detract. And I think the more clear the expectations are and the values are, things just flow from that. So in the morning, we do a morning routine and each child has their responsibility, which we call a contribution. We choose to not call it a chore Mm. because we want to increase their feeling of being valuable in the household. And we want them to be accountable, which is what one of our values is. We always try to bring it back to the values and everybody in the household contributes and 
brings value to the home. And I think that allows them to buy in much more with whatever our culture is based on our values. Mm -hmm. Joe, we've heard adventure. I've heard accountability. What other values come up? Like, and I don't know, you're raising three boys. So I'm like, I want to (laughs) know. And then we can also, this can also go into a conversation of like, you can be raising three boys that are similar ages to my three boys and our values could look completely opposite from one another. And that is perfectly acceptable and okay as well. So we can talk about comparison as well in a moment. Yeah, that's great. I'll go with the values first, and then we can talk comparison. Yeah. So one of ours is be genuine. Our oldest one loves this. And so people tend to assume, like, I was a college athlete. My kids will play the same sports I did, and we just don't care. We just want them to be good at what they want to be good at. And so he likes robotics, something that neither of us ever did. And so we try to foster that. Mm-hmm. We t- Our library has a 3D printer there, so he goes down and programs and 3D prints things and was in the robotics club at school. And so we just want him to live genuinely within the parameters of what's acceptable. Another one is personal development, which goes along with be genuine, that you can choose whatever you want. It's just not going to happen. You have to work on it to be good at it. Our middle child loves soccer, so he'll watch his YouTube videos. He'll go out and practice because we didn't play soccer. I don't have the soccer skills to teach him, mm. but he embodies personal development by trying to learn a new skill every couple of weeks and going out and practicing it with his brothers who don't like soccer that much, but will do it because they want to support him. And so mm-hmm. those are two more. Mel, you've got a couple of their favorites. Yes. My favorite is wanting to be together. This one almost could have been left off, but I wanted to make sure it was a value because when our kids no longer have to be with us, when they no longer live in the home, We want them to still feel like they're part of this organization and that they're valued. So we want them to want to be with us even when they don't have to be with us. Mm. And this one really comes into play a lot. Oftentimes, like Joe or I will move into a different room to do something and they'll kind of like follow you in. And sometimes you might want some time to yourself. Like I like to do puzzles. So I'll go off and do a puzzle to get some me time and then they'll come in. And initially I'll think, well, I wanted a little time to myself. But then I realized they're truly embodying the value of wanting to be together. Mm -hmm. They could have gone and done something else, but they wanted to be close to me. And then we end up having a great time. They'll play Twister on the floor while I do the puzzle or conversations will start to come up because we're together and not just sitting in a room together, but actually interacting. So I love that value. And Joe did mention gratitude as well. Mm -hmm. That's a huge value for us. And one of the ways we embody that every night at dinner, so we, we aim to have dinners together every day because we used to not have that at all. So that was really important for us when we moved. We gave our five-year-old the job of choosing who gets to go in what order of sharing their gratitude from the day. And he does this in really silly ways. So he will chase my oldest son around until he tags him and then it's his turn to share his gratitude. He'll go and like slap Joe on the back and we'll joke like a little mosquito just bit him because, you know, he's still a little guy. Hmm. He'll find creative ways and then he feels valued because he gets to choose the order of the sharing of the gratitude. Mm -hmm. So not only do we set the values, but we make sure that we embody them as often as possible. Mm -hmm. But I think we covered all six. Yeah, I'm thinking about the sports one and I just dove into the world of hockey, which in Canada is a big deal, apparently. (laughs) Holy smokes. And... (laughs) I was at like a six-year-old hockey game. Like these kids cannot even stand up on skates yet. Like, you know, like they're just, they're struggling out there. And then there are parents with like cowbells and signs and like, it is a big freaking deal for some people. (laughs) But what I see, Joe, to your point of what I see play out is 
us wanting to live out our own years or our own missed opportunities through our children. So that authenticity or genuineness, I really relate to that. And I don't know what words I would put to it for my boys from my perspective, but like individuation or like independence, but while still like in our family unit and, but like building their own little personalities and having their own autonomy over their choices of who they want to be and what they want to do. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. Like they don't have to like it. And so I think that that's a, an interesting one. I'm trying to think like my husband and I have never really sat down and put them on paper in the way that it sounds like um, the both of you have. And I'm curious whether he would agree with the statements I'm going to make right now or not. I'll ask him <laughs> after. Awesome. <laughs> but we, we certainly value a lot of things. So I think that there's like something to do with our rhythm and routine. It's almost like a slowness. Like we don't like to overcommit ourselves. We do like the boys to have activities and opportunities to learn new skills and do new things, but we do not want to be going in all directions at all times. So there is like a slowness and a protection of our time. Like respect is a big one, like how we speak to one another. So we are allowed to have big feelings. We're allowed to have all the feelings. We are not allowed to take our feelings out on other people. So this is something that we talk about a lot in our home, like a healthy expression of emotion. And you can be big, big mad, but there's a way that we have to try to deal with that. I feel like these are all very like therapist entrenched values. Maybe my (laughs) husband would have different ones as well. But yeah, and I think that it's important for us to know what our values are as a family, as an individual, like as a woman, it's important, but then also as a family, because what happens is we're out places or we're scrolling social media or we're, you know, hearing and chatting with friends and seeing that they are doing all the things. For example, let's take the activity one again. And I'll hear that friends' kids are in like a bajillion activities, for example. And I get this little tinge of like, ooh, are they missing opportunities? Like the mom guilt sits in or the questioning our decisions because we're not on the go all the time. We're not doing all these enriching activities or whatever. But then when we step back and look at what's really important and we're building a company right now, we have a lot going on. So we do like to protect our time and we've got the pool in the backyard in the summer. We want some slowness and we want the freedom to choose and be spontaneous and do day trips and things like that. So knowing that and knowing that that's a conscious choice for us and that's something that we value allows there to be some space between us and others now. Like I can look at that and say, that works for their family. And I don't have to adopt that expectation for myself because that's maybe a value they hold and not something that I feel like I need to carry, right? So I feel like comparison comes up a lot in parenthood. It does. And I what comes to mind for me, again, is what I mentioned earlier about self-reflection. If you find yourself doing something just because others are doing it, you do need to step back and ask yourself, is this serving my family And if you have taken the time to set up values, you can ask yourself, does this filter through our value system? Mm -hmm. Because there is so much pressure. I mean, Joe mentioned, everybody would say to us, oh, you have three boys, you're raising a football team. And it was like, they don't have to like football. They don't have to play sports. We want to encourage them to be, like you said, autonomous in whatever skill they would like to embody and become like. So we could have taken that exterior pressure and said, okay, I I guess we're going to sign them up for football as soon as they can, you know, and go with that. Mm -hmm. But instead we step back and said, does this truly align with who we are as a unique family? We don't need to fall into the trap of just doing what other people would expect us to do. And I think that's the value of having values Mm -hmm. is you can just simply say to yourself, you know, well, does this align with my values? When we were choosing to move, 
that was a big pressure. I mean, we left our families, not, not behind, but like they still live there. And that was a huge piece of why I was hesitant. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we looked at all of our values, it just made sense to move. It really, if we hadn't had those values, I don't think we would have made that decision Mm -hmm. because it would have been more like, well, this isn't what we should do. We're supposed to stay near family and it just wasn't going to work for us. So because we had those values set up, it made that decision that much easier, not emotionally easy, Mm -hmm. but easier in in the sense that we knew what we were going to be gaining and not just focus on what we might be losing. Erica, I love how intentional you are with with your time. There's a book I read, I think it was called Three Questions for a Frantic Family. Like They were just so busy and they felt like they were going to just do everything that all the other families were doing, like the the travel hockey and the, and the volunteering. And they realized that they're trying to be everything to everyone and they end up being nothing to everyone, mm-hmm. including their family because they're so spread thin. And so making those decisions are really important. And a big piece of the comparison trap is just saying, like, what does success look like? That's our big question about a lot of things. And so we're very good friends with families that homeschool. We choose not to homeschool. It doesn't mean that one's better, one's not. It just it fits for our family. Mm-hmm. We learn a lot from your podcast. We probably have more traditional gender roles in our household than you're describing. But that's because it's what happened to work for our family. And we discuss it and decide. And it's not like a comparison overlap thing. Like we both do things in the kitchen. Mel helps me change the oil because we have fun doing it together. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, <laughs> it just happens to be what we, so we just don't like, we just don't judge other people because there's, there's nothing to judge. If that works for them, that's what we should be excited about. If a different household lives completely different than us, but they are intentional about their living and they're happy and their kids are excited. Like it's, there's nothing for us to compare it to. They've done amazing. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Asherina Reem's Psyched Mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, 
a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com rage, code RAGE20. I really like bringing that judgment piece into it too, because we compare ourselves to others and we can feel all the shoulds, as you said, Mel, right? Like if we're operating in a should, we need to just pause it and check that and where the heck that guy came from, because, you know, (laughs) um, they're deep rooted. And then there is sometimes, I find this especially happens when we're not rooted in our values and we're making decisions, then we want to judge how other people are living to sort of prove ourselves right in a way. And and I've written a little bit about this recently in my manuscript that I'm I'm wrapping up, but there's like, when we're not rooted in values, then we really need to prove the rightness of our structure or our family. And so judgment can really play out and be a part of that especially in early stages of motherhood where it's a free fall of identity crisis and things, right? Everyone's advice coming at you early on. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're in your values, you have this criteria to set decisions, as you were saying, and, and you have a system by which you filter decisions through. And then you can identify, oh, that person's operating, you know, values are different. So their filter is different for how they're making their decisions. And there's like a respect and an understanding for that a little bit differently, I would say. It is. This actually made me think of how we try to always relate it back to the kids as well. When my son comes home from school, sometimes he's like, this kid really bothered me because all he talks about is video games. Hmm. So based on the values, I say to him, well, what does that tell you about what he values? What does that tell you about what his family values? So I like to teach the kids to look through that lens. And again, I'm not judging. I don't know that family well. Maybe the parents are working and the kid has to play the game. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I want him to think about, don't just get annoyed with this kid. Try to realize, well, what do you think he values? And is that someone who you think you should be spending time with? So it helps the kids have some autonomy in their decision making and it gives them a filter Versus just being impulsive and going based on feelings. Mm, Or based on their peers or others' opinions, right? right? Like it gives them their own little criteria by which to make their own decisions as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that reminds me of a quote Mel read the other day. We have our daily readers in the morning. We read a few things. I think it was from Marcus Aurelius' Meditations. It amazes him how much we love ourselves above others, but hold their opinions above our own. And somehow like we take care of ourselves and our family, but as soon as someone else that you don't even barely know says something, all of a sudden it impacts and and rocks your world. And just reflecting on that is powerful to understand where this information is coming from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love off the top of the conversation where you said, Mel, that this was a journey because I think that those who are listening right now who might be really interested in establishing family values but might feel like, oh gosh, we're so far off. We're living in all the shoulds, you know, Um, (laughs) might feel like that gap is a hard gap to close. And so I think if we take a moment to talk a little bit about where we start and how you guys got to where you are, because we we can't 
compare the starting point to now how you guys are operating full-fledged in this sort of system of your values because that's not where you started and it took that journey to get here. So what might be some starting places for those who are feeling very new to this but are open and wanting to explore it? Yeah, Mel covered some strategies earlier about the list, but I forgot to mention we took this from business. It's from uh, EOS. We live kind of in a 90-day world where we come up with our values and we try them on for size and we try to do one major thing every 90 days, not every week, not every day, get too overwhelmed. Like if we're going to do, let's say we want morning routines and we want evening routines, we want family dinners and we want family values, choose one, work on it for 90 days and then the next one and then the next one and then eventually you'll get there. It's like the analogy is trying to cross a, a raging river. Like you're not going to be able to jump it. You'll fall right in and it'll whisk you away. But you can't throw one rock in and step on that one. Throw another rock in, step on that one. And eventually you'll get be able to get to where you want to go. I think even to break it down more practically, if someone hears this idea and they get excited about it, maybe just bring it up to your partner. Say, hey, I'd love to start this conversation about values. Just to start, not even like, hey, let's make this list. That, that already sounds a little overwhelming. Mm. So just starting with the idea of, do you like the idea of trying to figure out some family values, like what that might mean for us? And then even doing a Google search, like what are some examples of values? Or I love what you said, you had the card cutouts where it just gives people some ideas. Oh, you can just Google value sort and tons will come up. They're print out, you cut up the cards and it's a great starting point. And yeah, there's a bunch of them online. So I think just starting the conversation, first of all, and then maybe just searching like a free printable because that would be super great. And the other piece of it is if you have older kids, so we started when the kids were little, but if you already have older kids, let them be a piece of this process. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe just print out those things. And I think it's valuable to have the conversation with the partner first, but, you know, bring some of these things out at the dinner table or at some family time and start sorting and seeing who thinks this about that. It'll just start some really deep conversations. And I think it will spark excitement. And as soon as you spark some excitement of where you think this could go and what opportunities this might open, it kind of helps to throw that next stone into the river and take the next step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's definitely a journey, one that can be paired with some unlearning potentially, depending on what your values are and if they're maybe differing from how you were raised. Or like I think about the feelings being welcome one, for example, that we have. If we weren't raised that way, it might be really hard for us to tolerate and manage feelings sort of respectfully and so some of it involves some of that self-development, Joe, that you had mentioned, or we have our own work to do to make sure we sort of live by those values. But I do think taking one, starting with one, maybe just even the question of how can we incorporate this more into our daily life, like adventure, for example, is also one that I hold personally, particularly, and also the family loves. And when we're just feeling like a little on edge and snippy with each other, and we've been just sort of in the routine and whatever, it's like, how can we just live out a little snippet of adventure today? And on the weekend, I was like, there's a duck pond nearby. And we took off to the duck pond and all the little baby ducks were there because <laughs> we're just end of spring, beginning of summer and didn't expect that it would be this, you know, it turned into this fun, a little adventure of finding all the little baby ducks and feeding them and whatever. And it wasn't a grandiose like vacation that cost thousands of dollars and like this whole production, it was a little moment we literally pulled on our shoes and tucked away for like an hour and a half. And it was really, um, like it really tops up that value. So I think that looking for opportunities 
in our already existing routines, because this isn't meant to add pressure. It's not meant to add, you know, big, grandiose planning and thinking and whatever. It's more just about that intentionally, like, you know, can we weave this in this weekend or not type approach. I really love what you just said, because that's true. It doesn't need to be some big, overwhelming thing. And you can oftentimes feel resistance immediately when you think it's going to be super inconvenient. Because mm. I ser- that's part of my personality. I immediately think, oh, it's going to be inconvenient. How am I going to make that work? But the other day, for example, our, our one son went to soccer with a friend. And then uh, my husband went on a hike with my oldest. And then I was home with the little one. And we could have simply just sat here. But because our values are about being adventurous, being together, we just simply took a walk down the street. And it's been raining a lot. So there's tons of puddles. And Mm. my five-year-old just ended up running and jumping into every puddle. He was soaking wet. It was such a blessing to be with him for that 30 minutes or whatever it was and just seeing him enjoy and explore and learn. Mm -hmm. And I certainly wouldn't have had that experience with him had I not filtered it through the value system. Mm -hmm. And I love your point about the grandiose adventures because those are very daunting and very expensive for a lot of families. (laughs) And to put some minds at ease, like we rarely do those because we try to live small adventures all the time. Sometimes I think the big grandiose ones that we used to do would be like, all right, well, we need to make up for not paying attention for six months. And now we need to do this one big thing. Mm. And instead, we just redefine what was important to us and do a lot of the small things so that they get a taste of it all the time. And if we are able to go somewhere, it's always last minute, like, all right, well, we're going to go camping because there'll be no places available for us (laughs) because we're just going to go and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Those are adventure in themselves. We rarely do the big, expensive, grandiose adventures anymore because we live it on a, a day to day basis. We do. And some of the expectations that we've set, like we do the family dinners every night and the kids look forward to that. They look forward to that time together. So whatever happened during the school day or during the work day, we know we can join together at dinner. And it's not necessarily a set time because we do have activities to get to, but it's a value for us to sit down and be together in that time. Mm-hmm. Or we do weekly family meetings, for example, and the kids look forward to it. They can bring their discussion topics. They're part of the problem solving system. So oftentimes, especially the middle child, he'd be like, are we doing the meeting this weekend? Because I have this important topic to talk about. Mm. So it doesn't have to be big. It's just that we have strategy in our family life and the kids, you know, I'm sure you know, kids love structure. Mm -hmm. It might sound boring and, and stuff, but structure really provides expectation, even for us as adults. You know, I I look forward to dinner time because we're all going to sit together. We're all going to chat and we're all going to share gratitude. And it's an exciting thing. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. We do a similar, we do like our highs and lows. And so we'll talk about them at dinner time or at bedtime, depending on how chaotic dinner is because children are still little and (laughs) it's wild over here. But I think that it's also important to, as we're wrapping up, talk about how these values are not rules and they are fluid. And sometimes they're in competition with each other. Like, so for example, my husband and I really value sort of in our partnership and in life individually entrepreneurship and building something and growth sort of in this way. And sometimes we're in a project or a launch or something that bumps up against the value to eat dinner together every night, which is something that we typically try and do. And there are seasons where it's like, okay, well, it's going to be pizza and tablet while we hop on this meeting for a moment because (laughs) we've got to wrap this thing up. And so there are seasons where our like values and priorities can shift around But in knowing the values, when things sort of recalibrate, we come right back around to where we left off, right? So I think that there is a, like a flexibility and sort of a fluid movement required here too, because different stages of development and ages for kids and 
of life and work and demands put us in different life situations, right? So yeah, Joe, you had mentioned like the 90-day cycle or sort of having these family meetings weekly to sort of reevaluate where things are at, just keeping that open-mindedness. Because I think that when we're perfectionists or we fall into all or nothing, like I'm very A-typing can be that way. It's a trap to set these family values and not feel very strongly to adhere to them or it feels very black and white when it's not meant to be held so rigidly. What comes to mind for me is rigidity can be negative. So we want to teach our kids that they need to be flexible, just like you said. So a simple example, Joe has to travel for work sometimes. So sometimes there's a week where he'll be gone. And my son said to me, are we still going to do our family dinners when daddy's not here? Of course we can. You know, it doesn't have to be like we only do family dinners if all five of us are present. Mm -hmm. So there, I think the rigidity can be a problem for kids, but they like that. They like to know what to expect, but they also need to understand that sometimes priorities will shift a bit. And like you said, it's usually temporary. Daddy's going to come back and we will get back into the groove and it's okay. Mm -hmm. So to go through that process or, you know, we always try to share the gratitude at some point during the day. If we miss a dinner for some reason, we'll find a different time to try to put that in. Mm -hmm. So I, I love what you said about it being fluid. And the other thing that comes to mind is we don't expect our kids to grow up and take on the exact values that we have set for our family. Hmm. What we want them to do is understand that there's value in having core values. So when they grow up, they can come up with their own list. But the idea of knowing to come up with the list, I think is more of the foundation. Mm, building the skill there. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. I don't want them to feel pressure to like take on the six values we've chosen, but just that they know that they need to be a person that has values and stands for something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Any last words, Joe? Any last thoughts before we land this plane, wrap this thing up? <laughs> yeah, you mentioned earlier about big emotions and things and comparison. And this is all really what Mel and I had to work through before we decided what was right for our family because it is very real. But we have a saying that's lowest heart rate wins where we just, even with the kids, like, all right, even in business negotiations, let's check emotions. Let's, you can feel your heart rate. Like, is it really? All right, we need a couple minutes and we'll, then we'll go back to discussing it with clearer minds so that we can define what success looks like and temper those emotions and temper the comparison through strategies and plan, just not hope that we aren't emotional at that time. It's like, all right, well, my heart rate's getting up right now. Let's, let's take five and we'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. And that helps us work through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to talk about that as like the rules for engagement. Like what are the mm. mutually agreed upon sort of rules or boundaries for this conversation so that we don't end up in some conflict or disagreement that we're going to regret later, right? And I am notorious for wanting to have a conversation like when it comes up because I don't mm -hmm. like to hold on to things for very long. And when the kids are running around or when it is overstimulating and chaotic, probably not the best time. So rules for engagement for us might look like having a quiet time free from distractions to actually give each other the attention or give the conversation or the topic the attention it deserves, for example. So I love that. And I think that that's a really big piece to this because we might not always agree on the family values either. So when you're sitting down with your partner to have these conversations, like there might be differences there. And so having a clear set of criteria, like we're going to be respectful um, when we disagree or however is important for people to keep in mind as well. So thank you both for taking the time to join us today and share a bit about the system you've created for your family and how it's working. Um, where can people find you, learn more from you? Well, thank you so much for having us, Erica. We're over at strongfamilyproject.com. 
where we have our seven steps of the path, including the values. And we actually have a list of 50 values to get your brainstorming started while ours is six, but that at least gets you started. So uh, that's where we have our podcast and our giveaways, all the freebies. There's actually nothing on there for you to buy. It's all free content <laughs> that we post for people at strongfamilyproject.com. That's great. And we'll make sure to link it in the show notes so people can click through and find you easily and appreciate you both being here. Thank you so much. After this interview, I spent a lot of time reflecting on what our family values are. I had a conversation with my husband and we've been speaking a lot about what is most important to us for our family and our family unit. I think that it is so important to have these conversations and to establish some shared family values But I also want us to understand that these are flexible and they are not rules and they're not meant to make us feel bad or set unrealistic expectations. We can have a value of togetherness, but also feel touched out and overstimulated and want time alone. And one does not need to undermine the other. So these are our guideposts, our North stars that guide us on our parenting journey they're also not rigid and they're not to be embodied every single moment in a very rigid or perfectionist way. So have fun discovering what your values are and do so with flexibility and self-compassion. If you're not even sure what your individual values are or you struggle with people-pleasing or decision-making and you'd like some support to help you on this journey, book in a free 15-minute consultation with one of our mom therapists who understand what it's like to go through an identity shift and a change in values when they went through their own adjustment to parenthood. To learn more and book a free 15-minute consultation, head to momwell.com. That's momwell.com. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by my friend, New York Times bestselling author, Eve Rodsky, to discuss how you can carve out your own unicorn space. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well.